Hello. Welcome to the best is net to come. Guys, it's been a rough week for us. My name is Josh. I'm here with Rick and Mike as always. A week ago today, I was saying, boy, these Nets, they look like they can possibly be first in the Eastern Conference. This week, I feel a little different. Uh, it's been a woeful week. Let's just say that. Uh, tough losses. Lost to the Atlanta Hawks on Friday after barely beating them on Wednesday, 145-141, which is just an absurd number of points and an absurd lack of defense. Lost on Friday, 114 to 90 and 96 was never a contest and then lost yesterday to the wizards 123 122 they had a chance to win kd and Kyrie both had a bucket that they shot and missed but it really shouldn't have even been that close the wizards outplayed the nets all game and what we're going to start this pod is talking about how other than kd and Kyrie, the nets have not stepped up in these past four games or three games. The the recipe for failure in this league is to have a team that cannot rebound the ball and a team that stays turning the ball over. And right now the Nets are literally the league's worst in defensive rebounds. And they're averaging around 16 turnovers a game. KD and Kyrie have looked great, but if everyone else in the team is going to look this bad, Mike, where do you see the Nets throughout the month of January. I don't see it getting better anytime soon unless Steve Nash starts to make some uh, rotation changes. But before we get into that, uh, just to talk more about the struggles of the team, besides the rebounding, which is obvious for any fan who's watching right now, uh, there's no effort. They're not boxing out. They're all looking at the ball, waiting for someone else to grab it. And then nobody does. Uh, Jared Allen's out there. He's the tallest one, but I don't know what it is about Jared Allen. He just, he's kind of like Brooke Lopez. He just can't grab the ball strongly. And as a big man, like, that's your main job is to secure the rebound. Now, DeAndre Jordan is supposed to be good at rebounding, but he's so bad at everything else, you can't even have him out there for longer than 20 minutes. So right now, I know the Nets were talking about small ball before the season started, having KD at the five and surrounding it with shooters. That's not going to work because they can't rebound the ball and they can't play defense. So the combination of those two things, along with what you mentioned with the turnovers, the lack of ball movement in general, they're reliant on hero ball, jump shooting. It's just literally like every worst part of basketball. Like it's not fun to watch as a fan. You'll get highlights from Kyrie and Katie and you'll go on Instagram and you'll see Bleacher Report and House of Highlights, NBA. They'll all show the nice crossovers and the tough shot making, but that doesn't lead to consistent wins. And this Nets team, Rick, I'm sure you feel it too, is not heading in the right direction anytime soon. Yeah, it's they're in pretty bad shape, and I I still think we're we're hopeful that right they'll they're gonna make a deep playoff run. They could be a championship team, but at least now and in the foreseeable future, it's it's really ugly. And uh, I think the main problem is is effort. Believe it or not, like a lot of rebounding is just effort, dude. Just like, do you want it? A lot of defense, I'm a firm believer, a lot of defense is just effort, man. Like, they're all athletic guys, right? They're not, like, they're not slow. They're not out of shape. They're all, like, really talented guys. Do you want it? And right now, it doesn't seem like a lot of these guys want it. Um, I think in, in years past, a lot of these guys were really hungry, and they wanted it because they didn't have those superstars. So everyone really had to put their best foot forward, bring 110% every night, and that's why they were so good. Now I kind of think they came out of the gate really hot against the Warriors and Celtics, I guess because they kind of had the adrenaline rush, new team, new season, and they looked like the best freaking team we've ever seen, right? And now I think that after those first two games, they've cooled off, and now they've kind of settled in more to what they really are going to be the rest of the year. And it kind of seems like the the role players um, are overly reliant on KD and Kyrie, Um they don't feel like they have to contribute as much or try as hard because I guess they – it seems to me at least that they say, oh, well, we have Kevin Durant, we have Kyrie Irving, like they're going to bail us out and we're going to be fine. Like as long as we kind of just put ourselves on cruise control, we're going to win. And right now that's not at all the case. So I'm hopeful that these struggles are happening early on and that they kind of have a wake-up call 
sooner than later uh, and that they, at the end of the season, come playoff time, that these aren't issues. But right now, this does not look anything close to a number one seed, not even a number two or even three seed. This looks, the way they've been playing, if they're lucky, like a five seed. I think they'll finish higher than that, but that's kind of what they look like right now. The Nets, to me, it is very much an effort thing. You're absolutely right. And it's not even just the defensive rebounds. You can see it on the turnovers. There's such, like, lazy turnovers. The way they just pass the ball so, like, uh, timid. They look very, like, scared. Like, honestly, they're running away from it. Guys are just standing with the ball, hoping someone comes and gets it from them rather than, like, making their own play. Like, KD and Kyrie are the only guys in that team who have, like, actively tried to make their own, like, points. Like, score on their own. Karis LeVert is trying, but he's not doing well at it. Yeah. Uh, everyone else in the team can't like they can't make their own bucket. They can't like actually make a play for themselves. They're just waiting for someone to take the ball away from them. Like they're afraid. And I don't know if that's the pressure they're getting from KD and Kyrie being on the floor with them because I know that is a thing. I, you, when you play with such elite players, you kind of freeze up uh in the spotlight. But this isn't like, you know, it's not like these are guys are all rookies. And it's not like these guys haven't been playing with them in, like, the offseason and in preseason. I know it was a short preseason. And all these guys are saying, like, oh, we're playing through the preseason right now. Yeah, I don't give a shit, man. These these wins matter. Like, oh, yeah. you gotta You got to just, like, throw that whole sentiment out of the window. Like, I don't care that you are playing through your kinks right now. You need these wins, especially against teams that are not good. Like, the Atlanta Hawks have a stellar offense. But their defense is bad, and the Nets could not, like, get them to, like, I don't know, foul them or anything important. Mm -hmm. And then the Wizards, man. Like, the Wizards are not that good either. Bradley Beal's good, and Russell Westbrook knows how to draw fouls, but everyone else on that team is very much below average. So the fact that they lost that game is even more pitiful, honestly. Like, the Hawks are actually a decent team. The Hawks, mm. everyone on the Hawks can shoot. The thing that really impressed me about Friday's win when they beat the when they beat the Nets on Friday was that there was like five or six guys on the Hawks who scored over ten points. I would kill to have five or six guys in the Nets to score over ten points. Right. But you got three. KD and Kyrie. Yeah, three. You got KD and Kyrie scoring in the twenties, and then like Karis LeVert coming in with like eight. Like we we need someone who we need more than someone. We need at least two or three other guys on the team who can put. Like, you know, put the moment on them and be like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to carry the team during the time that KD and Kyrie are on the floor. And I don't know the number, but I know the plus and minus from when KD and Kyrie are on and when they're off is just abysmal. Yeah, it's it's pretty rough because, like you said, I think prior to their game with the Wizards, the Wizards was like 1-5, right? Like, they're like the worst team, at least record-wise, in the league. And there is no excuse to lose to the Hornets. There is no excuse. They should beat them like 10 out of 10 times. It's it, that was a really, a really bad loss. And I know Mike mentioned this in like a previous podcast um, about like Steve Nash. I think when you talk about things like effort, a lot of that falls on the coach. Like is, is Steve Nash like doing his job? Like, I know there's going to be some growing pains, and that makes sense. But also at the same time, you have like a, a seasoned coach like Mike D'Antoni on your staff too to help you out. So you're not alone here. But I mean, I'd like to see him maybe take some charge here, like round these guys up. Like I know you're a rookie coach and you're dealing with superstars, so maybe you don't feel like you have the like the clout or whatever to to get in a guy's face. But like at the same time, like guys. Like, we got to get our shit together here because we're not just going to be able to get bailed out by stars all the time. Yeah, and yeah. before we move on, I want to kind of combine what you said about Steve Nash with a comparison to the Hawks because we played the Hawks twice this week, and the games looked a little different uh, on Wednesday versus the one on Friday, mostly because the Nets weren't making shots on Friday. They were making shots on Wednesday, so they scored 145. But did you guys have the feeling like the Hawks, there was just infinite space at all times for them? Like... They had four shooters and Capella. When Trey Young's on the floor, he is so talented at maneuvering the floor, passing it to his teammates, running the pick and roll. It felt like the Nets were never even close to contesting shots. And I think the Nets are built kind of similarly to that, where they have four shooters and a center on the floor. And it should be similar 
for them with spacing because Kyrie's so good at ball handling. But it's it never feels like the Nets have open space. It feels like everyone's always up on them, even though they're all shooters with a big man. So I'm not sure why the Hawks felt like they had so much space and the Nets didn't. And if that's a scheme thing from Steve Nash, maybe he just needs to get players in different spots and run some more off-ball action. Because it seems like right now teams are just pressuring the Nets at all times and the Nets rely on making a tough jump shot. Yeah, that's yeah. that's something that's something I noticed too, actually, especially with that that Hawks game, because like guys now, now they have like great range on the Hawks, so I think that that helps. Like guys are a couple feet behind the, the line sometimes, but it seemed like almost every shot they took was just like uncontested, no pressure. And you know, when you're an NBA player, like that's that's easy, right? If you don't got a hand in your face, and it seems like every shot like the Nets take, like they're fighting for it. Like, yeah. like it's it's hard. I feel like a lot of times, like Joe Harris, like is almost like forcing shots because he like feels like he has to get a couple threes up, <laughs> otherwise he's not contributing. And uh, yeah, it's 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 strange to see like the Nets have like are, have to fight for shots while the other team team isn't. It's kind of like Mike. You'll know this when you'll play like uh, like the basketball games where you like you'll hold like the shoot button. And uh, it'll give you, like, your timing. And if it's contested, they have it in 2K. I think they had an NBA Live, too. Like, every, like, Nets shot has, like, the red circle around the yep. ball. And, like, every opponent's shot has, like, green or at least yellow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's just, it just feels like they're more accurate and they have more time. And cr- credit to the Hawks, again, like, they have a really deep team when it comes to shooting like they they got guys on their bench who can like knock down a three whenever they want like kyle herter and deandre hunter were like playing better than joe harris has played all season they were incredible on friday and or at least hunter was but truly the problem is it's a double-edged sword when it comes to the nets in terms of the fact that you know teams are discovering that they don't know how to stop cutters they don't know how to stop people from slashing to the net. How many times did Clint Capella slash the net? John Collins slash the net? I mean, he John Collins got those, like, highlight reel dunks because Jared Allen and DeAndre Jordan are just, like, watching him, you know? Even mm. on inbounds, there was an inbound that I freaked <laughs> out about. Yeah. DeAndre Jordan literally was, like, watching the game like we were. Like, he could have been sitting on our couch. Like, oh, yeah, what's going on out there? Dude, you're supposed to be out there. They like John Collins cut straight from like the half court line during an inbounds, and just and DeAndre Jordan, who is like almost a foot taller than him, just like watched him jump over him and dunk or like you know whatever he did. It was fucking awful. I think the cutters is what spaces the floor for the Hawks because because they're able to you know throw someone in there. You got the guys. All right, we got to start you know kind of regressing from standing near the line and then they have perimeter shooters as well so the nets just look lost on defense i mean the nets look lost on defense apparently against every team they play this year but uh specifically friday that was a terrible matchup for them because uh when when another team is on and the the nets are off that you know nash did mention this in in his post game he said yeah we just didn't hit our shots but the real problem is that that's going to happen a lot you know, teams do have many games where they are not hitting their shots, but you need to be able to find ways to win even when you're not hitting shots. You can't just live and die by your shooting. You have to be able to find a way, you know, cut to the lane and draw a foul, you know, get get points from from foul shots if you have to get layups. And and we're going to talk about now our, our, our tripped ups because <laughs> I mean, I guess I guess our stepped up my stepped up again is TLC because TLC got that starting spot that we were talking about a week ago mm-hmm. from playing as well as he did. And because he shows grit and I kind of liked how he was mouthing off to Bradley Beal yesterday. If you guys saw. Yeah. That, yeah. He was, he was, he was like, go to the bench, Brad. I'm like, bro, you're <laughs> TLC. You're not like, I don't know what you're doing, but okay, whatever. Is he the he's new Jared of, Dudley? Yeah, he's kind of the new Jared Dudley. I love it. <laughs> he also <laughs> made the, uh, he was the one that got the potential game winning leak out layup until mm-hmm. the Nets blew the lead. But yeah, he's a smart player. He hasn't been playing great these last couple of games. He's been missing a lot of open shots, but I'm hoping the more he yeah. plays, the more confidence he gets, he'll start knocking those down. But yeah, I think he's the only candidate. I don't think anyone else stepped up. Yeah, wow, no. He he like stepped up just because he is uh like he's been a a role player, a bench player for most of his career and now he's starting against like with Katie and Kyrie. So, good for him, you know, personally. But 
two huge tripped ups this week, and I'll start, and then Mike can follow with his, is uh, Karis LeVert. Karis LeVert, again, a guy who um, is supposed to be the third guy on this team, especially now that Dinwiddie's done for the season, pretty much, has had an abysmal past three games. Uh, Karis LeVert has just been ineffective. He's chucking air balls like he needs to get his eyes checked. And he just needs to give up on the mid-range. I think that's his problem. You know, he he's a very aggressive dribbler, like we've said. He he likes to cut. He likes to do these, like, jukes in the front. But then he'll, like, stop his, like, he's so much faster than so many of the defenders that he'll stop on a dime and, like, try to do the fadeaway like, like Durant does. You don't have Durant's touch, man. So just fucking go for the hoop and draw a foul. He needs to just give up on the mid-range. Like, I'm tired of him shooting air balls from, like, 17 feet out. No more of that. And uh, <laughs> just, 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 like, draw, draw fouls. But he's 37.3 right now in field goal percentage. He scored so a combined good. 24 points in his last three games. He's 11 for 36 in those two games against the Hawks plus the game against the Wizards. Yeah, the game against the Wizards, I'm looking at the stats right now. He was a grand total of 3 for 13. Yeah, that's just awful. 11 for 36 in three games. I think this is some more Steve Nash uh, coaching woes, and I hate to say it because it's only been so many games for Nash. But, uh, like, he came out, he was the one who said, Levert's going to be our sixth man. He's going to get minutes leading, you know, the second unit. He's going to get out and take shots. But basically what's happening and you guys know this just by watching, is that Levert is essentially on a, a he's on a clock in his head, and he knows, I have a certain amount of time to get up a certain amount of shots. And it doesn't look like there's a play called. It's just him dribbling, kind of James Harden-esque, except not behind the three-point line. And then he just eventually figures it's time to shoot, and everyone else is just watching. And I've heard this so many times in the past couple of years from teams that have like James Harden or have Russell Westbrook even when they start getting into that mode and it translates offense to defense when if you're a role player watching your ball handler chuck up shot after shot and there's no ball movement and there's no energy well now you're going back on defense like defeated right you're not involved in the game anymore so I have a feeling like that could be a part of the defensive woes as well but I think Levert needs to get some support not just from the players around him, but from maybe Nash or whoever's calling the plays. If it's Antoni scheming behind the scenes, I don't know. But I'm I'm kind of sick of watching Levert just isolate. Um, yeah, he's not an ISO guy. He's not good at it. I mean, if yeah. he's going to do ISO, then he needs to do it right by cutting to the hoop and drawing fouls like Russell yeah. Westbrook does. Russell Westbrook is not a good shooter either. Probably just as good as Karis Levert has been. But what does Russell Westbrook do incredibly? He's really good at getting to the hole. And at least drawing a foul, you know, and he's strong enough to like pull himself through a foul, you know, watching Levert play, you can see that he has the talent. He could get to the hoop. He's quicker than most guys on the court. I, you know, if you're going to pull up and shoot a KD like shot, you got to make it like KD makes him. Every time KD shoots those fadeaways, a part of me is like, what are you doing? But then I remember mid arc. Oh yeah. This is one of the best shooters in history. That's going in. You're not that, Karis. You're 37.3% right now. That's your that's like career worst. I know it's 30, been only seven games, but dude, that's not good. 37% and going down. <laughs> yeah, not good. So, all right. I think you're right, Mike. I think he needs a talk from Nash or, or someone on that on that bench. But I also think that Karis needs to get early buckets. And, yeah. and that will get his confidence up. This team for whatever reason, is like heavily affected by confidence. And if they need to get their confidence through layups and just easy cutters, then that's what they need to do. Yep. I, I, I know that the stars on team set example, and you want to play like your stars, but if you can't be as good as your stars, it might be a detriment to your team to act like them. So just do what you can do, and then the shots might fall later. Get your early, easy shots up early. Yep. So... Anyway, Mike, take it away with our other tripped-up player. Actually, before I do that really quick, I'm going to tie in another net real quick because uh, it relates to Karis LeVert. I think a reason real quick before we get into the, probably the worst player on the team right now, the reason Karis LeVert uh, kind of got away with his playing style the first couple games when they were winning was because of Jared Allen. And I don't know if you guys knew this because I didn't until I heard Sarah Kustak say it on a broadcast a couple games ago. 
Jared Allen is second in the league in offensive rebounds. Yeah. For a team that doesn't know how to rebound. Like, that's, huh. that's pretty cool. So well, that makes sense happening. because think about all the shots they've been taking. Right. So Levert was missing a lot of shots. <laughs> and in missing. First, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Levert was missing so many shots, but we kind of, like, gave him a pass because Jared Allen would get the rebounds. So when Allen's not getting those rebounds, that's when the team starts to really get hurt by Levert's, uh, you know, volume of, of missed shots. But in any case, I wanted to give Jared Allen a little bit of credit there in case people didn't know. Because we, we give Jared Allen some shit sometimes. Uh, a lot of times. Yeah, but he's second in the league in offensive rebounds. That being said, uh, Jared Allen's kind of mentor here on the team, DeAndre Jordan, should be cut today. Like, should, should, should be cut, like, last week. Like, it's so bad that I know he's friends with Durant and Kyrie, so it's never going to happen because they would be on Nash's ass. Nash is ass for that. Um, but DeAndre Jordan is so bad, and I have the numbers to back it up. And I'm sure Please, you're watching, besides the eye test, I mean, Josh mentioned it before. He had his back turned to a, a, a cutter on an inbound pass. Josh, you texted us as soon as that happened. You learned that in, in elementary school rec yeah. basketball. I was saying, like, remember we used to do the stack? And then, like, the kid would be in the bed, like, he'd be yelling, like, stack, stack. And, like, all the kids would have to line up and squeeze themselves together. Yeah. And you and that know, took, you like, don't a half a minute. Pass. It yeah. took, like, 45 oh, seconds. And then they'd, like, slap the ball. Side yeah. note, real quick, looking back. The stack inbound like set, so bad. It's just so bad. It's stupid. I don't know why anyone ever did it. My dad set it up for our travel basketball team one time. It was. It's just bad. It's just jump. But bun- the reason why is because ten year olds can understand the concept of the stack. Yeah. Even DeAndre Jordan might struggle with the stack. Yeah. But <laughs> the first thing you learn on deep defending the stack is you don't give up the bounce pass behind your back under the basket, and that's what DeAndre Jordan did. So. Besides that, DeAndre Jordan is out there for two things. To rebound the ball and to play defense. That's it. Those are his only two jobs. If he gets a pick and roll alley-oop, great. It happens once every, like, quarter. Maybe once every two quarters, fine. We'll take it. But DeAndre Jordan's supposed to rebound and defend. And he can't do either of those right now. And I'm looking at the last four games, because that's really what we're talking about, is the Memphis game... We kind of like touched on a little bit last week as it was happening, but the Hawks games, he was minus eight and minus nine in plus minus, which on its own doesn't sound too bad. The Nets actually won the first game. So for DeAndre Jordan to go minus eight, that's pretty bad. And he only played 15 minutes. He went minus eight in 15 minutes. That is a horrible number. And then minus nine the next game in 18 minutes when they lost to the Hawks. So this guy is coming onto the floor, and the team just, you know, loses like right away, and it, it's horrible I, to watch. He he can't hit free throws though. He's shooting a horrible like in the 30s percent from free throws I think this season because he seems like he improved a little bit. Yeah, he looks like a little more focused at the line because he knows how important it is. Yeah, but. You know, Jared Allen has been looking really good from the line, honestly. Like, his his foul shot looks great this year. I've never seen him shoot foul shots as well. But, again, he's not starting. Why is DeAndre Jordan starting? Yeah, so that the other thing is, like, sometimes it's saying, you know, <laughs> it's not who starts Stop the game. It. <laughs> it's, how, it's how it feels. Yeah. I'm whining because it hurts. Stop playing! Um, <laughs> this is so funny because I know I know Mike sent a text to the group. It's just, it just DeAndre Jordan should retire immediately. <laughs> he's washed. He's done. He can't. <laughs> he can't do his job. Like imagine if, like, like as a teacher, if I walked in tomorrow and I like forgot how to explain math. <laughs> like that's really what DeAndre Jordan is doing right now. He has two jobs and he can't do either of them. Um, I, one game he like was the one to finish out the game. And he looked horrible. And then the next game, Jared Allen was the one to finish out the game. And he looked horrible. So, like, both options are just not good right now. And I know, like, Jordan's relationship with Allen seems to be good. It seems like he's very supportive. He was jumping on his back the, the game they won. Yeah. Um, so, like, I'm happy about all of that. But Jordan does not deserve playing time. He's getting special treatment right now. And if you're watching the game as a Nets fan, it's so obvious that he doesn't belong out there. It's, like... I think he had yeah. one play where he did like a – because he likes to play make now. He likes to catch the ball and like look around and make the pass. But nothing was open, so he drove and threw up like a, a hook. 
and it went in miraculously and everyone went crazy. Like, can you play some more offense like that more frequently? Can you can you show some skill? Like, can you please? <laughs> let's get a let's get a look at Nick Claxton or something, man. I hear he's talented. I think he might still be hurt, but he's still hurt. Like, and they they're not giving any sort of like idea as to when he can get on the court. Yeah. So, I think yeah. really what it's going to come down to, they need to make a move. I know, Josh, we've been talking the last uh, week or so about potential when <laughs> they could get. It sounds I, so dramatic and sad that we're already talking about midseason yeah. trades, I, but they need, I want, it. they need it. I want JaVale McGee. I think JaVale McGee would be perfect for this team. Absolutely. He knows Kevin Durant already. He protects the paint. He's high energy, high effort. Cleveland has other big men. They don't really need him. Yeah. I think he only played like 13 minutes the other day. Like, give, give, him, give him to us. And, Rick, I know you were talking about Hassan Whiteside. He worries me a little bit because I think he, more often than not, is a low-energy player. Like he's mm-hmm. capable in spurts of being very productive, but I want high energy all the time. Mm-hmm. Give me JaVale McGee, even Dwight Howard. I would love Dwight Howard right now. Oh yeah, Dwight big, Howard is a wonderful backup center. Yeah, oh my god, body. he looks incredible on the Sixers. Yeah. Now I know you guys are are haters of of this specific individual, I I believe, but and I think he gets paid quite a bit. But if they could make the money work, what do you, how would you feel if they traded for Miles Turner? Because he is elite at rim defense. I love Miles Turner. Josh is the hater because of last okay. year. I only hate him because he fucked me last year. Okay, I'm I'm a because I'm a big Miles Turner fan. I I don't I don't publicly display that because I know you're a hater. Because no, pr- prior I'm to him, yeah, prior to him like getting all up in your booty last year. He was on my team for, like, the previous, like, three years. And he could shoot threes, he rebounds, he blocks. And he's kind of like second fiddle to Sabonis in Indy right now. So he's someone that I know uh, the Pacers would like to trade. They just can't find a partner right now. Well, in his defense and in my defense of the Pacers right now, I think the Pacers are one of the best teams in the East. And that's why I picked them to win tonight against the Pelicans. I've been on a kind of a tear right now when it comes to picks. Oh, uh, Pat yourself on the back here. Like, let's let's see. <laughs> let's, while we have an audience, just uh, <laughs> so, how about you just tell everyone how how uh, amazing you are. You're basically an oracle. Yeah, listen up, world. I'm incredible at <laughs> picking uh, NBA games over the past week. If what well, the Nets um, maybe have been drained of their powers, but they came, they become, they became my betting skills, I guess. Because I was four and one last week on daily bets, the only game I lost was last night's game, where I thought that the Trailblazers would also just beat them again, but Steph Curry comes out and scores the most points in a game he's ever scored in his life. Yeah, he went so, full Miles Turner on you and just yeah. you. I'll give you a pass on on Steph Curry dropping 62 because yeah. no one saw that coming. So tonight's game is I picked the Pacers. The Pacers were getting a point against the Pelicans. I think the Pelicans are a good team, but I think Miles Turner plus DeMontis Savonis is better than uh, Zion Williamson, Williamson and Steven Adams. Zion Williamson is a great offensive player, and he does block the ball occasionally, but doesn't protect the in the cutters, does, has that same issue with cutters and stuff. So, And Malcolm Brogdon is a guy that I wish that was on a team that I liked because he's so consistent. He's mm-hmm. a guy. You can always count on him. So getting a point plus Oladipo. On my fantasy team, solid this year. Has actually, he looks almost the way he he looks like eighty five percent of of like good Oladipo. You so should you should trade me that eighty five percent of Victor Oladipo <laughs> because my team is an absolute dumpster fire. It the before the week even started, I don't know how anybody else plays in their fantasy basketball leagues, but for the league that we're in, guys, uh, we get a limit of four ads per week. I used three of mine before any of the games started this week. That's how bad of shape my team is in. Well, okay, that's another thing we need to talk about is that Kevin Durant has just gone down because of COVID protocol for the next four games. So we talked about all of last week's woes. We got a whole woeful week ahead of us of no Kevin Durant Nets basketball. Yeah. And Kevin Durant is on my fantasy team to add to my real and fantasy misery. Yeah. So the Nets play the Utah Jazz tomorrow. Then they play the Sixers, who are, look really good on Thursday. They played the Grizzlies again on Friday. And if 
you know, that might be the game they can win. And then also they play the Thunder on Sunday. So I think if the Nets – all right, miracle, I guess, if this happens, based on the way they've been playing. But the Nets could come away from this week 2-2 two and two, out of this week. They that could win the game – they could win the game on Friday against the Grizzlies because they're playing the same team they played and went to overtime with. And that team still doesn't have John Morant anymore. It doesn't have John Morant. So they could keep it close with the Grizzlies if they play well. Plus, they have Kyrie Irving. He should play on Friday. Oh, no, wait. Should. No, but he probably won't because they're playing the Sixers on Thursday. He might not do the back-to-back. Or he might just drive off the edge of the earth since it's flat. <laughs> Please stop. No, we can't so, we can't get into him yet. Optimistically though, if what you're saying, even if he does play on Friday, optimistically maybe the Nets will be five and six after this week. That's so bad. Well, i I'd be happy if they're five and six after this yeah. week. If they if they win a game this week, I'll be happy. If they win on they have another, you know, team that they should beat on Sunday, they're playing the Thunder, who are not great. They should beat the Thunder. But you know, they should definitely lose to the Jazz tomorrow. The Jazz are good. And um, the Sixers are great. So, yeah, this is going to be a rough week again for Nets basketball, everyone. Yeah. Yeah, while we're while we're on the, on the topic of things not being great and talking about players, uh, we didn't get into my tripped-up nominee. Oh, right. That's right, Rick. Go you, ahead. All right. I am here to bring the heat. You guys might not like it. You guys might not agree with it. But someone someone has to come here with the hot takes. So that's what I'm here for. My tripped-up player, in his last game alone, scored 28 points, 11 rebounds, had 7 assists, but didn't get the win. My tripped-up player is Kevin Durant. And I'll tell you exactly why, because you're not going to like this. But after I t- tell you... You're going to agree with me. Because well, before you makes... start, before you start, I will say that I already kind of believe you because he tripped up and got himself on the COVID protocol list. So that's enough yes. to be a trip up. But go ahead. Wear your wear your mask, brother. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like come on. So like you're you're already out for four games and we're we're, we're a losing team. We're losers yeah. right now. Um, <clears throat> but he tripped up because what makes you a superstar is not just what you do in the first 46 minutes of a game. It's what you do in the final two minutes as well, all right? Um, what you do in crunch time in the big moments is what makes you a superstar and one of the best players in the game. And Kevin Durant's play down the stretch, it just didn't get it done against the Wizards. He missed multiple shots. Um, he took bad shots. His shot against Bradley Beal, that block was clean, all right? It was clean. We went to the line, 88% career free throw shooter and he missed a free throw and that ended up being the difference in the game he had a clean look for the win could not have asked for a better shot and he missed it and he had multiple opportunities to come through and in no way did he now here's the thing if he hit some shots like prior to that final possession uh or early on in the game and then missed that last shot totally fine right you can't hit every every buzzer beater so there's, if you if you miss it, no big deal. Or if he missed all those prior shots and then hit the buzzer beater, totally fine. It's great. Or you don't you miss those shots, hit both your free throws and send the game to overtime, totally fine. And then we'll see if we can win it in that extra time. But when you're missing your shots, missing your free throws, and you're missing an open look to win the game, and you're supposed to be the guy. It's hard to make excuses. It's and and he came up short, and that's that's my tripped up because right now it looks like we kind of need every win we can get. And when you're playing against teams like we've said before, like the Wizards, who are not good right now, which should be a win every time you play them, and you're losing at home, like tripped up, dude. He, I think he fell on his face. Regardless of the stat line, it was good, but I need those those last two minutes because when when shit's hitting the fan and the chips are down, I need to know that like I can go to you to bail us out and make sure everything's okay. And it did not happen. Yeah, I'd say that's a solid point, Rick. I, I'm 
You were absolutely right about him in the fourth quarter yesterday. My problem is that the Nets have been in game-winning shot moments every single game this week, and they've only won one of them. Yeah, they they had game-winning shots against the Hornets. They went into overtime against the the Grizzlies, so that's that's a game-winning shot. They could have won before overtime. They barely beat the Hawks on Wednesday by four points, basically game-winning. They lost bad on Friday, and then yesterday's game-winning shot. I'm tired of them. Well, this you know this is obviously going to happen if you're going to play this poorly, especially with the rebounds. I'm tired of them being in this situation in the fourth quarter. They don't. They cannot have. This is not something you can rely on as KD and Kyrie to be heroes every single fourth quarter. It's mm-hmm. not going to work. And yes, Ky- KD looked bad yesterday. But as much as I want to blame him for his bad play, I really can't. I, I got to blame everyone else on the team. He's mm-hmm. got to step up. No, no, you're you're absolutely right. Like he's been fantastic this year. He's been great. It was really he. I just had him as like my tripped up nominee, just really for that one game. No, yeah, you're right. You're right. But um, yesterday he tripped up. I I agree with yeah. you. In in a lot but, of ways um, he did trip up. But you're right too. Like these games are are they're too close. They're too close. They're not good teams that they're playing against. They should be double digit or close to double digit wins at least every night with these teams. And of course, like sometimes you're going to lose to bad teams sometimes it does happen but it's it's too consistent it's happening too often and at the same time too if you remember prior to the season starting they were talking like KD and Kyrie working together and Kyrie had this comment about how Kevin Durant is like the first guy he's ever played with where he was like wow you know I wouldn't mind passing to that guy for like the last shot of the game like he's the first player I've ever played with who I could trust taking the last shot and we've had, like you just said, you just rattled off like three examples of close games where they have the final possession to win, and they're they're over right now. They they it have neither one of them has come through. And uh, the last game against the Wizards was the perfect example. Kyrie Irving, clean look, missed it. Katie, Kevin Durant, mid range jumper. I mean, Wait, explain you, explain this to me though. I, I maybe I'm like not understanding the context. I know, I know where you're going. It's a bad shot. <laughs> Why do you shoot a three-pointer when you're only down one? It's a bad. It was a bad shot. Why don't you shot. just drive to the lane and draw a foul at least? I'm guessing that they probably told him, take a shot quick, so if we get a rebound, we'll have a second shot. And as soon as he had any space, he had the confidence to shoot it. That's my mm-hmm. only explanation that could yeah, have happened. It, it was a bad shot. And, and, and so Kyrie takes a bad shot. Katie misses a, a clean shot. And now, like, now, who, who is the guy we're supposed to, to go to? You know who's not there, though, to take these It's shots. Spencer Dinwiddie because he never loses. I think and Kyrie was talking about Spencer Dinwiddie when he, he said, had, he had I to have a guy on my team. <laughs> Bro, Spencer Dinwiddie could have done, like— We'd be 3-0 like, this week if we had Spencer Dinwiddie. Oh, we'd probably. Undefeated yeah. all year. We would have won at least. He won a one yesterday. <laughs> Unfortunately, I don't think they would have given the ball, but he would have won yesterday's game, and I think he probably would have kept— he would have won them the the game against the the Hornets too, so if he had been able to play in all of it. What do you think of this now? It's a little bit of an unconventional move, but the roster needs some tweaking. We need we need help. We need to bring in the reinforcements. What do you think of signing Joe Johnson <laughs> to be on the end of the bench and strictly come in? the last minute of the game to take the big shots. I would love it. Like, I would right? Love it. <laughs> never I keep seeing it. I keep seeing these posts re, these like reposts of 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 the Nets talk in talks with Jamal Crawford still. Yeah. We just had this conversation. Are oh, they not listening to us? Help. Joe Johnson must not be in shape. That's that's the only possible reason. He must be out of shape because the Nets should be calling him every day. Oh. Shuffle he, over to the three-point line. You don't have to run, man. Just throw um, the ball. And yeah, let dude, just stand it. in like the corner or something. You'll make it happen, bro. Jim, Jimbo Slice is out of shape and he's lighting it up. Yeah, you could be a fat <laughs> shit in the NBA, didn't you know? Jimbo. Jimbo looks like he like he's drinking beers on the sidelines. <laughs> he, he really does. He looks dude. Like he's, he's fucking like, shotgunning like Bud Lights on the corner and then coming out and scoring 44 points a game. Unbelievable, that guy. He's like no, the fucking. He's like the literally. He's he is the um. Uh, what's his name? Oh my God, 
totally escaped me. Why you're thinking of it though? It, it is hilarious though. It does seem like he's just like crushing beers, and like he spends like his time in between games, like going to strip clubs <laughs> and like gambling in Vegas, and like it it doesn't matter, bro. A freaking tip off, and he's dropping forty plus. Like it it don't matter. And you know what too though? Like he he drops forty plus, and he's efficient. He is efficient. He, has a, he shoots a great percentage. Mm-hmm. He's one of the best free throw shooters in the league. He's one of the best three-point shooters in the league. Um, maybe, like, personality-wise and, like, locker room and chemistry-wise, he's not great. But phew, he produces. He produces. Bro, I, I, I just remembered who I was going to say. He's the Wade Boggs of the NBA. Yo, yeah. He's the, yeah. Wade Boggs is a Hall of Famer, so that is a great comparison. What do you, what do you knock back? Like, a, I mean, 100 beers on that one yeah. cross-country plate? Yeah. <laughs> Wade Box was like a hardcore partier and also one of the greatest pure hitters in baseball history. Just like James Harden is a hardcore partier and one of the best shooters in history. Wade Box also Box. Uh, also great great facial hair. He had a great mustache, and yeah. uh, Jimbo has a great beard. Wow, the comparisons are endless. They're basically the same person. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, if if anyone who's listening to this wants to just go to their Google images. And just look up Wade Boggs. What a sweet mustache! Wow, it's it's just really nice. <laughs> yeah, it really, it really is. It's a nice one. So I I just want to talk about this because I mentioned it in our season preview in our one of our earlier recorded episodes, and it's coming true. And that is the Philadelphia 76ers right now are the number one seed in the East. They're six and one after beating the Hornets tonight. And huge shout out to Seth Curry. Seth Curry, I mentioned it when they picked him up, is averaging 16 points a game on over 50% shooting from three. And that's exactly what they need around Ben Simmons and Embiid. And I'm very happy for him. I'm happy for that team. Uh, I don't believe Danny Green is having the same success as I'm sure uh, Rick is happy about. Very, I am so happy. Danny Green hater. I am, uh, the, I am the conductor of the Danny Green hate train. You know, Danny, Green's like a, Danny Green's like a rabbit's foot. You just want him on your roster so that you yeah. win a championship. He's shooting a respectable almost 38% from three. So, Oh, no, sorry. That's that's overall field goal percentage. <laughs> He's only 28% from three. So, yeah, not, not quite getting the job done yet. But it's not playoff time. So we'll see what he does in the playoffs. And they'll win the championship, obviously, with Danny Green. But, yeah, uh, Sixers are playing really well. As a division foe for the Nets, that's not good news because they're going to have to play them a few times. Um, but I just wanted to give my around the league shout out to the Sixers right now. I think they've earned it. I think yeah. you're right. I uh, just I'm just looking at a couple of the standings and some of the standings that stand out to me. Feel free to comment on any of these if you'd like. Uh, Dallas two and four. That's a early season surprise. Yeah, and the Nuggets too. Yeah. And yeah, Denver two and four. That's a surprise. Not necessarily a surprise with Phoenix at five and two, I don't think, but it's it's pretty cool to see, you know. I mean, you get Chris Paul there, and he's just seems like he's winning everywhere he goes. Um, another another surprise. I don't think anyone thought that they would be as good as they were last year, but at least not a rough start like this. One and four, Toronto Raptors. Yeah, um, yeah, that one's a shocker, and it's all yeah. it's really because Siakam, who played poorly in the bubble, is continuing to play poorly. And not really stepping up to the level of greatness that he showed in his championship year. You know, yeah. Siakam was great in that year, and then he was good last year, but he really did kind of drop off towards the end of this of of last year. Really, Kyle Lowry and the and the and the core guys are what kept them in the playoff games against the Celtics. It's it's honestly a, an anomaly. It's kind of crazy thinking the team. That they were able to put against that Celtics team in the in the uh, uh, semifinals of the playoffs last yep. year, semi of the Eastern. Yeah. But now they're just like a shell of a team, yep. and you know you still got Kyle Lowry, but no one really is doing anything too great. You you got a lot of pressure put on Fred Van Fleet as well to play like a top three guy in a team, and he never was a top three guy in a team until this year, really. Yep. So for him to have that pressure on him, he hasn't really shown that he can do it yet. And uh, I don't know if he ever can. 
I really don't think he should be a top three guy in the team. He's a really good – he's like a Seth Curry kind of guy, not really a top three guy. Um, I think what I we're know. seeing uh, with Siakam, and I think we can bring it to football too, I think Siakam is kind of the Juju, uh, Juju Smith-Schuster. Ooh, that's great. Siakam was uh, you know, behind Kawhi as Juju was behind Antonio Brown. And it's a lot easier to be good when you're the number two option. You're not getting all the attention from the other team all the time. And Siakam really played well in that finals against the Warriors uh, because the Warriors had to focus so much energy on Kawhi. And the other players on the Raptors played really well as well. And Siakam got, you know, some more space. And now that Kawhi is gone, he's the number one option. And what we're seeing is maybe he's not up to it. Maybe he needs to be the 1B to someone else's 1A the same way Juju was with Antonio Brown because Juju's been nowhere near uh, what we thought he would be. Yeah, he, uh, Juju had that like one, like one or two like really good seasons, and he's kind of just a guy right now. And um, unfortunately, at least right now, Siakam looks like just a guy. I think he's a very good player, but he he's definitely struggling and uh, does not fit his current role. And right now, things have gotten very bad for Toronto very quick, and they do not look like a playoff team. And will probably be replaced by someone like Atlanta who is currently the fifth seed and the fourth seed right now I wanted to talk about, and I'm sure Josh will have something to say about this. Right now it is the Cleveland Cavaliers at four and two. What? <laughs> what? <is>, like they're, <laughs> they right. are year in, year out. They're one of the worst teams. And this year right now, they're actually really fun to watch. Like <laughs> Andre Drummond, Kevin Love, Colin Sexton. Colin Sexton is like, <laughs> is, right. has been yeah, awesome this year. Say. Yeah, and I think I think you have Darius Garland on your team too. He's been very well. So, Josh, our resident Cleveland Cavaliers expert, please, <laughs> yeah. what is in the water in Cleveland? Coming right from now? the land, uh, as I do. No, I don't. I've never <laughs> the been. Uh, the thing that's great about the, the Cavaliers, and the reason why they're going to be like kind of a, a really um, uh, optimistic and, and fun team to watch this team this year, is because they have a young core who's finally coming into their own. Uh, Darius Garland. And, and Colin Sexton are a formidable backcourt. They actually are looking like like top 10 picks in, in, in a draft right now, finally. And that's good, and I'm happy for them. But you know the reason why they're also just not getting whooped and they're at least staying close in these games and, in fact, winning games is because they have veteran presence in the paint who know what the hell they're doing. And, again, it, it like as much as I, I almost like – Watch with envy how Andre Jumman is able to play in the paint because I, I would kill for a guy like that on the Nets. And, yeah, the, the, the Cavs, sure, they're not like uh, world beaters, but they're definitely um, a team that most teams in the league are going to underestimate and end up losing to in a lot of tough games. I can see the Cavs stealing games from every team, especially – after uh, we've seen other teams in the league stealing games. Honestly, the fucking New York Knicks have been stealing games. Bro, and that's been breaking my heart. Bucks. Yeah, they waxed the Bucks, and that was awful to watch. I mean, they ended up losing to the, the Raptors the exact way I thought they would. Another one of my picks. But, yeah, <laughs> uh, they, the Knicks are not terrible, especially when Julius Randle is going off. He, he looks really good. But teams like the Cavs are the kind of teams that, you don't want to play because they have nothing to lose. They're coming off of a really bad season. And they have young guys just coming into their own. Not guys on the decline. Guys like who are just getting better every game. Darius Garland, I think, is out this today with a yeah. shoulder strain. Yeah, they lost but, by 20 uh, tonight without him. Yeah, so uh, that's tough. But I think that their future is bright. The, the Cavs are definitely um, – they're definitely going to be like uh, – a, uh, a play-in tournament kind of team who might steal a game from like a seventh seed. So it's we'll amazing see. what you can do when you uh, when you've got some rebounders, right? Like when you got some yeah. guys who can rebound. Rebounding is like it's eighty percent of defense. Like you you can get stop after stop defensively. You can make them miss a shot, but if you don't get the rebound, it doesn't mean anything. Yeah. So I I want to bring this up now too because this is like kind of. I, breaking news, very very small breaking news. This is not big, um, but the Cavaliers, like we just said, lost by 20. 
They lost by 20 to the Orlando Magic, who are now 5-2 and and recently signed ex-Philadelphia 76ers point guard Markel Fultz to a pretty sizable contract. Josh, you've kind of been like a pseudo 76ers fan in the past. Yeah. Like, how, how are you feeling about Markel Fultz? Are you happy that he's kind of turned his career around? Are you salty that he's doing it for another team? I mean, I, 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 I am like in – so I have like a lot of ties to Philly, and I, I do like I, – I did trust the process along with my friends uh, for many years. Is uh, It's tough to see a guy like Markel Fultz just completely come into the league and, and – um, play like he forgot how to play basketball not just as a fan of of the Sixers if you are one but just as a fan of basketball to see a guy who has so much promise have the yips and then now his redemption uh time it's it's bittersweet I guess the the Sixers are not a bad team I think if the Sixers were worse they'd probably feel worse about it and it's not like Markel Fultz is like putting up like 35 every night he's only putting up like 22 but that's still like 15 points more than he's putting up for them yeah. a game. Uh, good for Marco Fultz. I'm happy for him. I'm glad that he has figured out his game. And I hope I, – I wish for him a long career because good for them, honestly. Aaron Gordon isn't even playing that well, and they're still winning games. So I don't know how they're doing it. I have not actually been able to watch a single Magic game, and I just know that they keep winning. You know what they have is a reliable center. <laughs> yeah, dude, uh, it's funny you say that. I put in multiple trade offers for Vucevic because if you go look at his stat lines, monster stat lines yeah, every legit. night. Yeah. I need a piece of that. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. Please, I'll trade whatever it takes. <laughs> also, it's, too, a big guy who's stepping up for them is, is Terrence Ross. Terrence Ross is yeah. usually like a just kind of a, a three-point shooter off the bench, but at least early on in the season, big contributor. Yeah. I think because the Warriors were able to do it for so long um, – the 2010s really were like the small ball era and people were making these small ball teams and it was working out for many teams, but it really seems like this, the, like having a great center is coming back with a vengeance in the 2020s. It's going to be yeah. all about like great centers, solid it's centers. Just, it's just hard to find them. They're not, you know, a dime a dozen. So if you get one, you got to hold on. Mm. Yeah. <sighs> well, <laughs> it's been a rough week for Nets fans. Uh, it's but, been a rough you know, life. Yeah, it's been a rough <laughs> life. Who are you and kidding, guess, bro? <laughs> and I guess that's the that is the kind of silver lining is that it's not something we're not used to. We're all in this together. Mm. Yes. Yeah. We're used to well, it. Hopefully, turn things around and win some games. Yeah. But uh. If we don't, we're we're here to share in the misery with each other. <laughs> so, yeah, but but hopefully, the best is net to come. Also, also, I, we did we did not mention this one time uh, throughout the recording, um, and I feel like it has to be at least said because I feel like it's our signature. So it didn't come up organically, but I'm going to say it anyway. Because we didn't reference any singular person with this, but because of the Nets' defensive struggle, their whole team collectively turnstile. Oh yes. yeah, the Brooklyn subway turnstiles. This week. <laughs> Brooklyn turnstiles. Fucking everybody coming yeah, through. Yeah, baby. everyone's coming through. The cops not looking. Jump it. Just jump it. <laughs> Just jump it. You know who the cop is? The cop is the Andre Jordan. Yeah, the cop's the Andre Jordan. <laughs> He's watching with like drool going down his mouth. <laughs> Bro, have your coffee. Wake up. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Man. Yeah, but the Brooklyn subway turnstiles, it's been rough, guys, but we're we're going to make it. We're, I, I, if they keep playing like this, I'm going to start looking for logo ideas for the Brooklyn turnstiles <laughs> and, like, maybe a T-shirt. We'll commission someone, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I would – it's such, like, a negative thing, and I would absolutely wear that. I would they wear it. <laughs> it would be the only joy I get out of them losing like this. <laughs> I texted really, Josh last week. I really week, wanted, I like, actually. I think we should make podcast shirts. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do it. Uh, I uh, I think I could get a rebound over Jarrett Allen. <laughs> I texted that to Josh. Yeah. <laughs> I'm 5'5". Five, five, I can out-rebound Jarrett Allen. <laughs> Come on, Mike. You're not 5'5", five, five, are you? Yeah. 5'5", five, 5'6". Five, uh, I don't know. I'll box him out, though. 
Yeah, you definitely would. He would be uh, too like. Who would, who would get a rebound over the other? Brooke Lopez or Jared Allen? Like all seriousness, who who gets that 50-50 rebound? Brooke, Brooke Lopez. The fourth best net of all time. Oh God! <laughs> and did you guys know that Brooke Lopez is the franchise leading scorer? No, it's just all right, guys. I think it's time to wrap it up. I think that's the cue. All right, and that's all, folks. All right, so to cap off our episode, we're going to talk quickly about the games that the Nets have coming up. They play the Utah Jazz on Tuesday, tomorrow, Tuesday. Uh, And, you know, without KD, that one's going to be a struggle, especially because they have probably, like, top three center on their team in Rudy Gobert. So I don't know if that's going to be a fun one to watch, but we'll, we'll hope for the best. Again, also Thursday, they'll play the Sixers, um, who have been rolling. Uh, Joel Embiid does sit every now and then. We could be lucky and Joel Embiid will sit that game. But knowing that they are division rivals, I doubt they do. The Nets then play a back-to-back. They play Thursday against the Sixers and then Friday against the Grizzlies. Grizzlies, um, they went to overtime against the Grizzlies last week without KD and Kyrie. And the Grizzlies, again, will not have Morant. I know that Kyle Anderson has been filling in a lot of those points, and he's, he's a solid player, but I think that the Nets are pretty comparable to the Grizzlies. And they you know, they might have Kyrie. I'm not sure if he'll play, but they might have Kyrie on Friday. And then they are playing Sunday against uh, OKC, who are pretty depleted and could be beat. But what are your guys' thoughts on these four games? I'll be thrilled if they go 2-2. Two and two. If they L's. if all they go L's. one and three if they go one and three I'll, I'll I'm not gonna lie I'll be a little happy that they at least got one. <laughs> oh I'll be fucking two, ecstatic. I'll be, I'll be happy if they win at least one game. If they yeah. win against the Grizzlies or the Thunder, which is probably the most likely. Yeah. Um. I'd I am hoping fun. one thing I want to look out for this week. I'm hoping we see some Bruce Brown. I think he's uh he deserves a look with how bad the defense has been playing. Uh, I'm kind of losing faith in. Torian Prince. I think he hits some shots every now and then, but I don't think he's um, the athlete or the defender we need. Uh, I would like to see Kuruks get some minutes too, because he's been there for the culture change the last couple seasons, and he's a high-energy guy. And even if he's not making shots, he's athletic. He's a little bigger than Prince, I think. Uh, at least like he looks stronger. Uh, I think they need those guys who can slash. So I would like to see some Bruce Brown, some Kuruks, not in garbage time, in some actual minutes. Something different, because uh, what's happening right now is clearly not working. I'd like to see Steve Nash throw on the black and white and get out there, but that's not <laughs> oh, going to happen. So man. so it's going to be four L's. They're going 0-4. There's no KD. There's no Spencer Dinwiddie. And Joe Johnson isn't walking through the tunnel anytime soon. So, yeah, they win one game. I'll be, I'll be happy. Two games, I'll be giddy. <laughs> and three games, I won't be able to feel my face. So that's just the, my levels of emotion based on how many games they might win. But so, uh, it's going to be rough. Know, it might be rough, and we might come out of this week 0-4. The week after this, we have an interesting week because, yes, we play the, the Nuggets on the 12th uh, and then on a Tuesday, which is uh, two days after the Thunder. And, and KD should be back for that one. And then the, the game after that, we play the, the wild card New York Knicks. And I know that the Nuggets are not as bad as they've looked. Like, the Nuggets can beat most teams. They just have had a really slow start. Jamal Murray is starting to look like Jamal Murray again, but who knows? They might. They are missing defense. Their defense is bad. The Nets could beat the Nuggets. The Nets definitely could beat the Knicks, too. And they play the Magic on the Saturday of the 16th. So, you know, this week might be rough, but, you know, they might, they might still be 500 or maybe a game off 500 in two weeks' time. And, you know, that's not great, but it's not abysmal. I'll take and it. And it could definitely I, – I would take I would take a game off of 500 in two weeks for sure. Oh, isn't that so sad, though? Isn't that – that's so, so sad. That's <laughs> just such a sad state of affairs. We're coming into the season, we're like, yeah, you know, I think they'll be like the one or two seed in the East, and they're e- they're either gonna play the Bucks in the East Finals or play them hard. And we're like, yeah, I'll be happy if they're like 500 in two weeks. <laughs> you gotta just kind of accept the circumstances. 
Dinwiddie's a huge loss, loss and without Dinwiddie there, all of the other problems come right to the surface. Anyway, sorry to leave us sorry to leave us such a sad note, guys. I hope you guys have um, fun watching the games this week as much as we'll have fun watching them. Whether or not they win or lose, we'll be back here every Tuesday talking about the Nets. Well, technically Monday night, but we're releasing every Tuesday. And uh, yeah, thank you so much. This has been Josh, Rick, and Mike. The best is net to come. See you next week. Thank you.